Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to Fresh Encounter, the radio ministry of Lifelong Anointing Church. Our mission as a church is to equip the body of Christ to increase in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and with men. We're glad that you joined us for this edition of the broadcast. It is our prayer that this broadcast will be a blessing to you. Here now is Pastor Otuno with today's message. Acts of the Apostles, chapter 9, reading from verse number 10. Now there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And to him the Lord said in a vision, Ananias, and he said, Here I am, Lord. So the Lord said to him, Arise and go to the street called Straight, inquire at the house of Judah, of one called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, he is praying. And in a vision he has seen a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hands on him, so that he might receive his sight. Then Ananias answered, God, do you know who you are talking about? Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much harm he had done to your saints in Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the high priest to bind all who call on your name, as if God did not know. But the Lord said to him, go, for he is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before Gentiles, kings and children of Israel. For I will show him how many things he must suffer for my name's sake. And Ananias went his way and entered the house. And laying hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you came, sent me that you may receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Ghost. Immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales, and he received his sight at once. And he arose and was baptized. So when he has received food, he was strengthened. Then Saul spent some days with the disciples at Damascus. Immediately he preached the Christ in the synagogue that he is the Son of God. Then all who heard were amazed and said, Is this not he who destroyed those who called on this name in Jerusalem and has come here for that purpose so that he might bring them bound to the high priest? But Saul increased all the more in strength and confounded the Jews who dwelt in Damascus, proving that this Jesus is Christ. Now, after many days was passed, the Jews plotted to kill him. But their plot became known to Saul and they watched the gates day and night to kill him. Then the disciples took him by night and let him down through the wall in a large basket. And when Saul had come to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him and did not believe that he was a disciple. But the Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles, and he declared to them how he had seen the Lord on the road, and that he had spoken to him, and how he had preached boldly at Damascus in the name of Jesus. So he was with them at Jerusalem, coming in and out. Verse 29. He spoke boldly in the name of the Lord Jesus and disputed among the Hellenists, but they attempted to. Then, when the brethren found out, they brought him down to Caesarea and sent him out to Tarsus. Then the church throughout all Judea, Galilee and Samaria had peace and were edified. And walking in fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, they multiplied. May the Lord bless the reading. Now, from this verse of scripture, just give a quick overview. Paul had received a vision. That his sight will be restored by a man he did not know, but the Lord Jesus Christ has sent it to him. This man called Ananias. Ananias was a little skeptical of his assignment because the Lord said, go and lay hands on Saul of Tarsus. And the Ananias said, God, hold it for a second. You know who you are talking about? This is a guy that specializes in killing people. 
You remember he was the one who was standing there giving them authority to stone, stone, to stone Stephen. And you want me to go there? God said, don't worry about it. I had this one covered. Ananias was a little skeptical of his assignment, knowing the history of Saul of Tarsus. After the healing, the Bible tells us that Saul started preaching the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Those who heard him were amazed that the person who sought to destroy the church now preached the gospel. As the church rejoiced at the conversion, others were already pissed off. That this is the guy who was supposed to be doing our bidding for us. Now he has joined them. So they plan to kill him. The Bible said that they had to smuggle Paul, uh, Saul, out of Damascus at that time. And he got to Jerusalem. Saul of Tarsus, I don't know what was going on in his mind. But how can you be the guy that is killing everybody in Jerusalem? That was standing there that people were laying their clothes at your feet. You were the one giving every, you know, giving access, giving authority to people to go and persecute the church. And you feel that you can just walk into Jerusalem and go into their house and they will open their door and say, hey, welcome. We want you. I mean, <laughs> the guy, I don't know what, what must have been going on in his head. But the Bible says that when he got to Jerusalem, he was not accepted. Everybody was kind of, hey, hey, Saul. They, you know, it's like when you see him, you close your window. But eventually there was a guy called Barnabas. He brought him in, introduced him, and the church accepted him. And then he started doing what? He started preaching. The Bible says he started going in, going out with him. All of a sudden again, the same people that he has been very good with, these same guys now turned around and wanted to kill him again. And the church had to organize how to get, you know, take him out of Jerusalem and take him to uh, Caesarea and then all the way to Tarsus. The Bible says that as a result of Saul's conversion, because Saul was taken from the, from the, from the, from the camp of the enemy into the camp of the Almighty God. The church had respite. The church now had peace. And because of that peace, they were able to rule. That is the general overview of what we have just read. Now, the story of this conversion is very interesting in the sense that it tells us one or two things about the faith that, uh, about this, our faith and our God. Number one thing that it tells us is this. God is a sovereign God. In other words, if you think Paul the Apostle, if you had told him that, you know, at the height of his control, at the height of his persecution, that one day he was going to preach that same gospel, he would have laughed you to scorn. And if possibly have actually slapped you around, even arrested you for even insinuating that he was going to join the cause that he was trying to destroy. But the Bible tells us that God is the almighty God. The one that knows the end from the very beginning. Paul tells that tells us God can control every man, every situation, every circumstances for his own glory. At the height of the persecution, who could have imagined that Paul, would, that Saul, would be converted to be a Christian? Who would have imagined that the person that killed the people of God was the same person who is now defending the thing that he was about to pull down? But God showed Paul that no matter how powerful you are, no matter how connected you are, no matter how opposed to the word of God. Your God is still the God of this universe. And he, how long have they been talking about born in the Bible? Everyone who talked about born in the Bible has ended up gone and the Bible is still very much here. Still the bestseller for many, many, many. Number two, the conversion of Paul tells us, number one, the unfathomable death of the grace of God upon the life of an angel. In other words, God is able to bring the worst person into his kingdom. Who will expect that a man like Saul of Tarsus will be saved? Who will expect that God will touch a man who was bent on destroying his church? Who will expect that God will bring him into the church? Who will imagine that God will forgive such a man who has done so much damage to the cause of the gospel? Almighty brought him in. The Lord forgave. The Lord rescued. The Lord took him from the path of hell and brought him to the path of life. This tells us that no matter how far you think you have gone, no matter how far you think that you have descended, no matter how far you think that you have offended the living God, one thing that you must understand is that God's grace is available for you if you 
have if you, if you are willing to accept. God will make a room in his mansion just for you if you are willing to accept it. Number three, the conversion of Paul. What does it tell us? The conversion of Saul of Tarsus tells us that the transient nature of life, the transient nature of life, which means that when Paul was running around persecuting the church, when Paul was running around killing the believer, he thought that he had the power. He thought that he had the influence. He thought that nobody could stop him. But the Bible makes us to understand that one day, in just one action, the Lord Almighty put an end to that particular journey. On the other hand, Christians, when Paul was busy persecuting them, they thought that this particular persecution would never come to an end. They thought that they would never be able to survive it. They thought that that was the end of the Christian faith. But the Lord God Almighty was able to turn things around. This tells us that there is no condition that is permanent. That the Lord God Almighty is able to intervene and to turn things around. Paul's conversion shows us that nothing lasts forever. Nothing lasts forever. I'm sure many of us have seen the book, you know. Nothing lasts forever. There's no way. Where tough times never last. But what what what, what happened? Tough people. In other words, as long as you continue to hold on to the Almighty God, whatever situation that we are in right now, whatever condition we are in right now, God is able to turn it around. Then number four, right? Yeah, number four, the conversion of Paul underscores the dispensability of those who are in the service of the devil. The dispensability of those who are in the service of the devil. In other words, as long as you are no longer useful to the devil, it will no longer have any use for you. It will toss you away. The Bible says that when Paul was busy, when he was very effective in the kingdom of, in the, in the, in the, in the kingdom of darkness, what happened? Everybody wanted him. The high priests were willing to give him what? They were willing to give him the authority to persecute the church. But at time went on, when Paul now crossed over to the other side, when he gave his allegiance to the Almighty God, the same people who were hailing him, the same people who wanted him to be their boy. Those same people right now were the ones who were not, they don't just want to leave him alone, they wanted to silence him. Not just silence him, they wanted him dead. That tells you that the devil is not a very loyal master. Not a very loyal master. No matter how loyal you are to him today, the day you cross over, the devil, or the day you become you become less effective, the end, the devil is willing to deal with that particular individual. But God is a faithful God. You who will imagine the person who has killed the church, who has killed so much members of the church, who has persecuted the church so much, who will imagine that that church, the same church that is trying to destroy, will open up their hands and welcome that person? That tells the faithfulness and the mercy. Of, of our God. It tells you that our God is a very faithful God. And finally, the conversion of Paul tells us that God is a God. In other words, regardless of what happened, whatever mistake that we have made, the Bible says that he will separate your sins as far as the east is from the west. That's how he's going to do it. In other words, he said he will take that particular sin and put it in the sea of forgetfulness, which means once you repent of it, it's gone. That tells you our God is a God of a second chance. And that second chance is not just limited to what you're doing right now. It's limited to when you rise and you fall. He even gave us a provision. He said he has given us, I said, if a man repents, he said he's faithful and just to forgive us of all unrighteousness. All you have to do is to acknowledge that, hey, Papa, I made a mistake. I messed up. And he will say, okay, no problem. Don't do it again. And then we move. He cleans the slate and he moves on. Our God is a God of what? Second chances. Now, I'm, li- I'm sure those of us who are listening to me right now, and those who are connected with us online, none of us has, killed, has, has done as much havoc as Paul has done. And if God can forgive Paul, he can forgive us of whatever we are. 
All we have to do is to accept his love and sacrifice on our behalf and on our behalf and he will give us just that second chance. And it's not just a second chance. A third, a fourth, a fifth, a sixth, as many times as possible. As long as you are still alive, as long as you are alive, God will continue to make sure that he draws you back home. As long as you are alive, his arms are open wide for us to be. The conversion of Paul is a testament to the fact that God is a God of not just one chance, second chance of multiple chances. The question this evening is that, why does God give us so many chances? Why? Number one, God gives us many chances because he's a merciful God. Okay? The Bible says, I do not want the death of any sinner, but that all sinners will do what? Will come unto repentance. Number two, he does it because he's a just God. He will not punish you because of your industry, just because you are ignorant, or just because you make one particular mistake. God is a just God. Number three, God, give, God gives us second chances because he doesn't want a death of any sinner, like I said earlier. He gives us second chances because he knows the consequences of sin. The Bible says that the soul that sin will die. Which means there will be eternal separation from the Almighty God. God knows that. And because He has not created that particular eternal separation for His children, that's why He gives us multiple times. He knows our weaknesses as human beings. He knows that we are frail. He knows that we are inconsistent. That's why He gives us all those chances. And then finally, He gives us second chance because so that God will be justified when He eventually slaps you around. He will be justified when He eventually deals with you. He will be justified when he eventually when he eventually judges the sin in our lives. That's what happened to Pharaoh. He gave Pharaoh multiple multiple opportunity, multiple occasion to be able to do to be able to uh, correct his ways, but he refused. He gave Israel opportunity after opportunity to walk with him. When they refused, he sent them into exile. God gives us multiple opportunities, multiple chances because He's merciful, because He's just, because He doesn't want the death of a sinner, because He knows the result of sin. And because he wants to justify when he eventually deals with the sin. Now, going back to Acts of the Apostles chapter 9, if you read verse number 5, you will see something that is interesting there. And that is Acts of the Apostles chapter 5, sorry, chapter 9, reading from verse number 5. The Bible said, And he said, Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom you persecute. Is it hard for thee to kick against the priest? Verse number 6. And he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what will you have me do? And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the city, and it shall be told unto thee what you do. Now, I want you to pay attention. Why somebody like Paul the Apostle was able to enjoy the second chance that God makes available for The first thing you will see is the ignorance of Paul the Apostle. Look at that verse number 5. He said, When the Lord showed himself unto him, Paul the Apostle said, Who are you, Lord? In other words, this was a guy who was fighting God, but he did not even know that God. Here was a guy who was persecuting the church, persecuting Christ, and he had never even met that Christ. How many of us have sat down here and we have made comments about people that we have never met? How many of us are here who are actually against somebody? You said, do you like this person? I said, I don't know. Do you know that person? You don't know. Have you met him before? You have not met him before. What has he done to you? Nothing. But you just don't like that person. Why? Because of the things that you have heard. So the ignorance of Paul was, you, you see, we see the ignorance of Paul in that verse of the scripture. Number two, you will now see the sincerity of Paul in that same verse, of the, in the next verse of the scripture. The Bible says, and he trembling and astonished said, Lord, what will you have me? So it is one thing, his ignorance was fueling his action in one way, but this is, but his action, his persecution was done out of, he was sincerely ignorant. In other words, he did not know what he was doing, but he was doing it. 
Just like a lot of people make a lot of comments that they don't know, but they are making those comments and they appear as if they are intelligent when they have no idea what they are talking about. So the first thing you see from that verse is the ignorance of Saul. The, uh, the second thing you see is the sincerity of Saul. You will notice that Saul did not hide his ignorance. His ignorance. He said, who art thou, Lord? He was genuinely surprised when he came face to face with the person he was opposing. Genuinely surprised. How many of us have ever met somebody? And you have heard some story about that individual. And then eventually when you have the opportunity of interacting with that person, you find that they are a totally different person. Completely different. Based on what you have heard, you have done, you know, you, what you have seen is totally different. Saul was completely surprised when he heard. He was genuinely surprised when he was confronted with the errors of his way. There were many who, there are many like Paul who instead of accepting their ignorance, they will continue to fight. Many will stick to their guns. Many will keep in the path of destruction. But Paul once, but once Christ introduced himself to Saul, Saul did what? Saul said, hey, who are you, Lord? And the Bible says, astonished. He was surprised. In other words, what these Christians were saying was true. The person that they are preaching is true. He's alive and he's talking to me right now. The third thing you see is the openness of Saul. Openness of Paul the Apostle. Openness in the sense that he knew he was wrong. He was sincere about it. And he was willing to make a change. In other words, the Lord told him, hey, you have made a mistake. You have been running the wrong ride. You have been running on the wrong lane. You have been pursuing the wrong people. You have been killing the wrong people. You have been making a mistake all your life. And Paul said, yes, I agree. I make a mistake. What do you want me to do? He was open to correction. He was open to change. He was open to adjusting his life. He was open to making amends. How many of us have been confronted with the errors of our ways? And we know the consequences of our errors. And once we are confronted with it, we are still refusing to make amends. We are not open to change. And as long as we are not open to change, the second chance that God offers might become elusive. Number four, what do you see in the life of Paul? You see the submission of Paul. He said, what we do? In other words, I'm done fighting. I'm done running. I'm done killing your people. I'm done silencing the church. I'm done doing the things that have not been glorifying your name. What do you want me to do? I'm ready. And the Bible makes us to understand that it was not only sincere, he was holy, he, that, he, that, that he, 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 he was not only sincere, he was open and is now willing to submit. And as long as you are willing to submit, God is able to do what he plans to do. How many of us will continue to fight even when we know that we And because of Paul's openness, because of Paul's sincerity, because of his acceptance and submission, in the truth, to the truth that he was exposed to, he was able to now enjoy the second chance. And the Lord offers a second chance. You make a mistake, the Lord is telling, the Spirit of the Almighty God tells you, begin to correct you. As long as we are not open, to, as long as we are not safe with ourselves, as long as we are not accepting and we are not really to be submissive to the Holy Spirit, that second chance and that best, who is that kind of as available for his people? Who is that man? Who is that woman? Enjoy the second chances that daily basis. Number one, that particular person who is honest enough to acknowledge what you don't know, you can fake it, all right? As long as you are willing to acknowledge your ignorance, your ignorance in the things of God, your ignorance in the things of life, your ignorance in relationship, ignorance in finance, ignorance in any aspect of life, as long as you are willing to accept your ignorance, you have you, are, you can position yourself to enjoy the second that God or anybody in your life is offering you. Number two, who is the man that can enjoy it? Is the man who recognizes mistakes. When you make a mistake, that is one of the things that drive me nuts. Is when people make mistakes and they refuse to acknowledge it. And they give you all the excuse that is in the book. All you have to say is, sorry, I made a mistake. And that's it. You know, but the problem is as long as you stick to your guns and you want to insist that you are right or you want to give an explanation for your foolishness, you'll be able to enjoy the second chance 
or the people that are around you are on. Number three, who is the man that will enjoy? Is a man that accepts the truth when confronted. The truth can be very, very painful. It can be ego, you know, it can, it can be, it can, it can, it can rob our ego the wrong way. It can cause us to feel diminished or feel little. But one thing the, the truth always does, the truth always edifies. And the man who will be able to enjoy the second chances that God has available for him is a man who is willing to accept it. And number four is a man who is willing to abandon his error. There's no point in you acknowledging your ignorance. There's no point in you saying I made a mistake. There's no point in you saying that I said the truth when you continue to do exactly the same thing. Because if as long as you are doing exactly the same thing, it, all that you have done before doesn't make any difference. The second chance that you are being offered is seen as a license. Because if you are not willing to change your way, why should the Lord Almighty continue to give you that second chance? Why should the Lord be, the people around you continue to give you the benefit of doubt? Why should they continue to open their arms around you and begin to give you the love that you are seeking? If you are not willing to abandon your error, the man or the woman who will enjoy the second chances that God and life will offer is a man or a woman who abandons his error and then the person must And submission doesn't make you less than who you Submission to authority means that you are... Submission to authority doesn't mean that you are God. It doesn't mean that you are stupid. It simply means that you recognize constitutional authority and you are willing to walk in, in the, within the confines of that particular established order. Within the home, you are willing to walk within the confines of the established order. Within the place of business, you walk within the established, within the, uh, within the confines of established order. In the road, on the street, in the community, in the society, in the, in all the things that you do, you are willing to be able to, to restrain yourself so that you can walk within the confines of the, of the, of constituted order. That is what submission to authority means. It doesn't mean that you are less than human. It doesn't mean that you are inferior. It doesn't mean that you are dumb. It doesn't mean that you are not capable of doing things. I used to tell people that if four of us, or most of the people in this particular room right now, everybody knows how to drive, all right? Except for this, my boy here, who is it? But most of us here know how to drive. If I put everybody in a van right now, and we start driving, and I'm called a driver, does that mean that I'm the best driver? No. Does that mean I'm the only one who knows how to drive? No. Does it mean that every other person in the room is stupid? No. Does it mean that they don't, you know, they, 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 they are afraid? I mean, it doesn't mean anything. It simply means I'm the one who has been given the authority to drive at that point in time. That's it. And why we find that very difficult to understand is still beyond me. Why we do not understand that in marriage is beyond me. Why we do not understand it in the way, in the, in the church, in our place of business, I, I still don't understand. Why we feel that we have to, we have, there's a need for equality. Equality does not mean that you cannot subject yourself to constituted authority. But the man who will enjoy, the man who will benefit from the grace of God, the man who will benefit from the largeness of the generosity of the people that are surrounding them, must be a man who acknowledges, his, his, uh, acknowledges ignorance, must be a man who recognizes his mistake, the man who accepts the truth, the man who abandons his errors, and then the man. Paul was willing to do all that in an instant. Paul was willing to fall down in the presence of the Almighty God and say, Lord, I know I've made a mistake. I know I recognize my error. I'm accepting you as the Lord God Almighty. I'm abandoning my evil ways and I'm surrendering to your authority. He did all that within just the space of that encounter. And the Bible tells us that his life was turned around. Can you imagine if Paul had argued? That is just a thunder that is going on. It's not the voice of Jesus. Who are you, Jesus? You need to prove yourself here right now. Until you prove yourself, I'm not believing. I'm going to pass. Even if in heaven, I'm going to come and persecute you there. If Paul has thumped his finger to the Almighty God, if Paul has insisted on his own way, if Paul has refused to abandon his position or his whole conviction, he would not even be talking about Paul the Apostle. He wouldn't even show up anyway. He would have just faded out of the face of history. But because he was willing to submit to the authority of the resurrected Christ, the story changed. Please understand. 
that as soon as the Lord gives you a second chance, as soon as the Lord gave Paul the apostle the second chance, the fact that people are willing to accept you and overlook the mistakes and give you an opportunity to rebuild, to, 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 to retrace your step, it does not mean that it will eliminate all your past actions. Okay? You have been a liar, you have been a cheat, you have been an arrogant person. The fact that God gives you a second chance doesn't mean that that, 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 is, that just disappears. No. It is part of your history. And people will remember it. So the fact that God forgave Paul does not mean that Paul does not mean that he will eliminate or erase the actions of Paul in the past. Number two, the fact that Paul enjoyed the second chance and the fact that you are going to enjoy the second chance does not mean that he's free out of the consequence of his past action. No. The fact that you God has given you the word that God has forgiven you, or you have been born again, and now God brings you to his kingdom does not mean that your past actions you will, you will not suffer that consequence. You will still suffer it. The fact that God forgive you today, but you have maxed out all your credit card, does not mean that you are still not going to get the collection call. Those are the consequences of that action. You are still going to get it. So, the second chance does not eliminate consequences of past action. Second chance does not mean that everybody will love you. We saw it in the life of Paul the Apostle. The Bible says that people were ready to kill him, even now that he's doing good. When he was doing bad, nobody wanted to kill him. Now that he's doing good, everybody wanted to kill him. The fact that you get a second chance does not mean everybody's going to like you. The fact that you are... You are not, you, you have been given a second chance does not mean that everywhere you go, you are going to be accepted. No. Some people will look at you and they will not like your faith. There's nothing you can do about that. But what it does mean is when the Lord gives you second chance, what it does is that he puts you, the Bible says that he takes the solitary out, places them in family. He puts you in a family. The only reason why we are gathered here today is not because of anybody. It's because of the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. That is the common denominator here. If you look at the background, everybody came from different backgrounds. But it is the name of Jesus that brought us together and makes us a family. When the Lord gives you a second chance, He puts you in a family. When the Lord gives you a second chance, He transforms your life. He makes you into a new person. He, he turns your life around. When the Lord gives you a second chance, He gives you a new purpose. The things that are important to you before has changed. He gives you a new meaning in life. He gives you a new pursuit in life. The things that you run after now are different. The things that are important to you now are different when the Lord gives you a second chance. When the Lord gives you a second chance, He gives you access to the resources of heaven. That is why you can call upon His name. That is why He can touch you at the point of your need. That is why He can bring healing into your life. That is why He can bring deliverance from all the oppression of the enemy. When the Lord gives you a second chance, He gives you access to the resource of heaven. When the Lord gives you a second chance, He brings new people into your life who will support and strengthen you. When the Lord gives you a second chance, He gives you new hope and new aspiration. And when the Lord gives you a second chance, He gives you a new destiny. Because you know that when you put your eyes in death, this is not the end of it. That you will open your eyes. Sorry. That's what happens. When the Lord gives you a second chance. Thank you very much for listening to our program today. We invite you to join us every Sunday at 10 a.m. for our Sunday worship service at 2711 Murfreesboro Road in Antioch, Tennessee. We also host Bible study and prayer meetings every Friday at 7 p.m. Visit us online at www.lifelonganointing.com and on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Join us next time for another edition of Fresh Encounter. On behalf of Lifelong Anointing Church, we thank you for listening. Mm-hmm.